The show starts in three, two, one. There goes that man's jockstrap. <laughs> oh my God, did you see that? <laughs> America's team? Yeah, right. Oh, baby, it's a big day in sports. There's nothing like battling it out with your teammates all season long to go win a championship. Green Bay's got it this year. Huge move for him. I think it's going to be a game changer. We have a lot to talk about this busy week in the sports world. Welcome to the In a League of Their Own podcast. The In a League of Their Own podcast is brought to you by Golf Kicks. Screw your shoes. Buy Canadips. Rep Sports. Buy Smooth My Balls. And buy Streamer Loot. Check out the In the League of Their Own merch line today. Welcome to the show. Let's see what Austin and Colin are diving into today. Hello, everyone. Welcome to today's show of In a League of Their Own podcast. Today's episode is number 72. So, kicking it off with a fun sports fact. 72 is the number of victories the Chicago Bulls achieved during their magnificent 1995-1996 NBA season, which at the time was the NBA record. And they went on, and that was part of their uh, six championships run. So I thought that was a pretty interesting, cool stat to name. How many games did they play back then? It was still 82. Still 82? Okay. Yep. 72 and 10, and then the Warriors went, what was it, in six? Uh, they, they only had, they had 72 wins as well. I thought they had more than that. Uh, Warriors best regular season record, 73 and nine. So they did okay, one so better. That's what it was. That's what it was. That's unreal. Only nine losses. Gotta be 82. Yep, and I just remember watching the Last Dance documentary when they were talking about it at the beginning of the year when they were winning all these games. And they looked at the schedule, and they are just like, we might not lose till January, February. <laughs> and for sure shit, you know, it's, it's unbelievable for them to do that. Yeah, for the sure. Other one that I, the other one that I was going to mention was 72 is the number of spaces in the game of Parcheesi, which is a board game from start space to home which no one knows anything about that game. So I wasn't. Yeah, I've never heard that. Parchese? Yeah. What is it like? A... It's a board game. It's actually, it looks pretty interesting. Um, let me just real quick pull this up here so we can. So it's like there's four circles on it. Too bad we can't pull up a picture here and show people. Um, it's got 68 spaces around the game board and 12 of them are dark colored, yada, yada, yada. And then the extra four spaces are the start and the end. And then there's like two different things. Each player rolls the dice and then they move their piece around the board in a f- whatever way. And then there's like different things like nest and all this stuff where it's seems pretty interesting with like little things that you toss. I don't know. It's really interesting. It looks really interesting, but yeah. All right. So let's dive on over uh, what you got in the NFL for us. Yeah. So last week, one of the biggest points around the NFL was Carson Wentz being out indefinitely with a foot injury. It looks like they got a timetable for him. Uh, They put, looks like he's going to be out five to 12 weeks as he will need surgery on that foot. And in light of that, the Colts signed former Cardinal and Packer QB Brett Hundley uh, to the squad. Um, so we'll kind of see what happens there. He would be the vet. He would be the oldest guy on that squad. 
uh, even though he still is a super young guy. Um, and then they're still looking for other long-term solutions. And Nick Foles and Jimmy G are the top two of the list for them to pursue to try to bring into Indy, um, depending on Wentz's situation. Obviously, if it's closer to that five-week mark, um, that he'll be back before the season starts. Then. Yeah, he'd be he'd be back. Maybe would miss week one, week two. Um, but if he's out well, twelve weeks, because it's six weeks till the week one. Oh, so okay. he'd be back right beforehand. Otherwise, he's going to miss through week seven if it's the full twelve. Oh, okay. So yeah, then if it's closer that the the twelve week part, then obviously they're going to want to find some because seven games that's almost half of your season to, that you're going to miss. So. Um, yeah, it's going to be kind of interesting to see what they do here. I'm sure if they can find out once he comes out of surgery, maybe the week a week or so after, the doctors will let him know, oh, he's recovering fast. It'll be closer to five, six weeks. Or, no, it's going to take some time. It's going to be closer to 10, 11, 12 weeks to where if they go to try to get one of these QBs like Jimmy G or Nick Foles to bring in. Yeah, the only problem with that is they don't after they sign Carson Wentz to over a hundred million dollar contract, so they don't have the cap room. They'd have to cut bait with Carson Wentz if they want to bring in um, one of those guys just due to cap reasons. So early reports is what I've been hearing is that Jacob Eason's their guy. Um, he's going to be their guy going forward. He's going to be the QB one um, at this point. And some of the reports and stuff that I've read coming out of Indy about practices with him taking QB one snaps. He's looked very good, even though he's never obviously had any NFL experience. He knows what he's doing. He's been in this position in college um, and he's a solid quarterback. He can throw the rock around. So I think, I think the Colts are just fine. Honestly, um, this is one of kind of the toss up divisions in the league, you know, other than the NFC East, which is always a crapshoot too. But you could potentially go three and even if he does miss the first seven, you go three and four, you get Carson Wentz back, you could still end up making the playoffs. So I really don't think that they're really threatened by this injury. People are saying this could have been a lingering foot injury all the way that he sustained back in high school, which has been was really confusing to me as how no one's ever noticed this injury ever before, unless it was just all of a sudden it finally just went and there it was. So um, Indianapolis Colts, hopefully Eason, you know, can get you through. You got three great running backs, so you might see them handing the ball off 50 times a game. Yeah. And that, that's a def- that's a defensive oriented team too. that young defensive core um, year after year, they keep adding more and more on that. end. so um yeah, yeah. In a high scoring league, you need your offense to put up points. But at the same time, when you have a top, probably a top five defense in the league right now, I'd say the Colts are. Um, so long as they're holding teams off the scoreboard, that leaves gives you a chance. Yeah, absolutely. And then um, <clears throat> talking about another injury here, going over to rookie Devonta Smith. He's set to miss two. He's set to miss two to three weeks with a sprained MCL. Um, not looking good for the Eagles. They put a lot of their chips in the bag to get him, thinking that he was going to come in and really be a game changer. MCL knee injuries, um, it's not a good sign when you're this young and you're kind of already dealing with that before you're taking any professional wear and tear on, on your body here. But surgeries have gotten so well now. Hopefully he can come back with it even stronger than before. And it'd be nice to see this young kid, you know, have established himself and have himself quite a career. 
And if I remember correctly, his senior year, him and Jalen Waddle both had kind of some injuries. I know Jalen Waddle had leg, a leg injury. He sat out, I think. No, never mind. That was the guy from Clemson. Excuse me. Sorry. Yeah, because Devontae Smith won Heisman last year. Yeah, because that was Amari Rogers, right? That sat out. Yes, yes, it was from co- for COVID reasons. Yeah, so if he would have played, he probably honestly would have probably won the Heisman. Yeah, yeah, he was, he was those two, those three guys really the running back from Alabama, and then uh, Smith and what's his name, Amari Rogers. Those guys were like the guys that were supposed to get it, you know, going into the thing, and then. COVID happened, so yeah, it was an interesting year. And then he ended he ended up, what was it, his shoulder? He separated his shoulder or something? Um, I just remember him being in the sling in the national championship game. Or no, he ended up playing in the national championship game. Yeah, I don't remember exactly what happened with, with that one. Yeah, that was a long time ago, it seems like. Um, and I guess keeping the injury talk going here, moving over to Baltimore then, uh, Mark, Mark, Quise Hollywood Brown um, missed his third third straight practice. Uh, looks like today with a hamstring injury, and then um, rookie uh, Rashad Bateman uh, is going to be missing some time as well with some muscle tightness. Uh, Harbaugh said it doesn't look like anything serious, and hopefully it's just training camp tightness. And these guys are just working on all the kinks of the offseason stuff. But um, in a team where they're not they're not known at all for their passing whatsoever. The Ravens have a great defense, and then they depend on J.K. Dobbins and Lamar Jackson on the ground to give them 150 to 200 yards between the two of them a game rushing. Um, bring in Rashad Bateman, another guy, uh, one of the top, top five guys out of the draft at the receiver position. Uh, he should hopefully bring some um, – bring some explosions to that offense. So with both of those guys out um, again, hopefully they're back, but uh, for the time being, at least uh, Ravens fans are kind of holding their breath over that. Yeah. And another team that's holding their breath kind of over a completely different issue here is the Washington football team. Um, They now have, I think it's nine Oh, seven now, excuse me. They have seven players now on the COVID-19 list. And uh, the Washington football team is the second to lowest vaccination rates in the NFL. They just have climbed above 70%. One team still remains below 70%. The overall um, percentage of teams is 89.4%. 22 clubs in the NFL have over 90% vaccinations and then there's nine that are above 95%. So uh, he basically gave a warning to his team, basically saying that you realize if this happened the day before the season opener or two days beforehand, this would impact our first two games and we'd probably have to forfeit. Um, And that's kind of, you know, sending a big message, you know, um, Looking over in Minnesota as well, you have quarterback Kellen Mond, who was just drafted. He just tested positive for COVID-19, and Kirk Cousins is a high risk of close contact as it's in their quarterback group in Minnesota. So you're seeing COVID start to break out again, um, kind of all over the place, whether you're vaccinated or not vaccinated. It seems like 
whatever the reason for another spike, it seems that a lot of places I've, I've been seeing over the weekend, a lot of bigger cities and stuff are going back to the mask mandates. Um, it's going to be interesting to see what happens here. You know, like they just said full fans and now the NFL might have to retract on those words pretty quick here. Yeah. I mean, again, it's the NFL is their own government. So they're going to do whatever they want. If they, if the money is that important to them, they will find a way to, I mean, even if they still have full stadiums, but make it vaccinated, vaccinated only can be in there. I'm sure they can find enough people that want to come to those games to where even the NFL has incentives to where they're paying to people to come to games just to fill the stadium. So who knows what they're going to do there, but yeah, it's kind of coming out of crunch time as to where the NFL is going to have to make a decision in the next week or two. Um, so long as the world keeps trending the way it does with this new variant of more and more cases coming out to where they might have to make that decision, like you said, to where they're going to have to come back on their statements of having full stadiums and go back down to 75, 50, 25% capacity. Yeah. It's going to be really interesting too. And I forgot to mention Miami, the, all of the Miami dolphins tight ends besides Tim Tebow. So Mike Isecki, Keith and Carter, Adam Sheehan also all go on the COVID-19 list. So it seems like it's affecting every single building, every single group, you know, even every single workplace here. So, um, yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be very interesting to see what happens here with this whole thing, especially as like pushing for the vaccines. And then now all these people with the vaccines are still getting COVID and still having to miss out. So clearly I don't think that was the solution and they might have to figure out something else going forward. If they, you know, want to have an NFL season because if a team has to forfeit, think of how much money, like for instance, say the Miami Dolphins are playing the Dallas Cowboys in Dallas. Miami has to forfeit. Dallas loses billions of dollars because <laughs> they have to cover all of the costs for nobody coming to the game, nobody doing that. So it really fucks with the team that's really hosting the game because you have to cover all those expenses. And more likely than not, like if that happened to the Packers, I think the Packers should be screwed. We don't. That could potentially, I wouldn't say bankrupt the organization because we're worth a lot of money, but that would pull a lot of money out of a lot of people's pockets in order to keep that thing going because we don't have a billionaire owner. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's an interesting way to look at it too. Like you said, it's affecting more than one team. It's obviously the team that is forfeiting. They're taking a loss, no questions asked. And then whether they're the home, the home team or the away team, the home team gets affected because they're, yeah, not bringing in millions of dollars on that one Sunday. Um, and then it's like two weeks. It's like if you get it like the day beforehand, that's two games. So if you're on the road two times, those two home teams are screwed. Yeah. Yeah. Just think of it happen, you know, like it could be unfortunate where there's one team that, has seven teams on their schedule that all have to forfeit like that bankrupts teams. Yeah. Like then you have teams like the jets and the dolphins and the Jags, like make the playoffs. Cause everybody that keep playing has to forfeit. <laughs> or if this, you know, or if this virus or whatever continues to get super bad and it's worse, even than it was the first time. And there's no NFL think of how much money these, you know, teams lose. So yeah, yeah, it's really interesting to see what happens. Yeah, but I mean, anybody who's year five to rookie year, I feel like it affect 
like huge as a player above that those guys don't probably need the nfl anymore you know what i mean they have either made enough money from the nfl or they have their endorsements they have other companies they run their investments all this and that to where if something like that were to happen um it wouldn't be devastating for guys who have been in the league five to ten to twenty years to where they can step away from the game either call it quits and retire, which would suck for a lot of guys who are kind of in that last, like, oh, they can retire anywhere from this year to three years from now to where if the NFL were to get shut down again, where it might force some of those guys' hands to, I don't want to stay in shape for a whole nother year doing off-season workouts in my garage, this and that. Um, where it sucked to see a lot of retirements happen and kind of a uh uncinematic way because usually when you know somebody's going to retire they kind of have a farewell to or kind of like drew Brees did every time you play for green bay yeah that's true <laughs> so, but well, when they have a farewell to every stadium they go to they all kind of give their things realizing oh this is the last time he's gonna be playing in this stadium but um yeah if the league were to get shut down you'd i mean guys like tom brady larry fitzgerald um I mean, there's others, but those are the first two that come to mind as to if a season kind of goes south, the, it could be last year would have been the last time Matt they stepped Stafford. on the field and nobody knew it. Yeah. Jared Goff. Yeah, there's a lot of older Cam Newton. You know, there's a lot of older guys who I, yeah, could easily say, fuck this. Yeah. <laughs> Especially with how the NFL keeps making up more and more rules on the fly that keep benefiting the players less and less to where yep. – some of these vets are just going to be like, you know what? I've had enough. Yeah, I don't need to jump through all these hoops. I've made enough money. I'm going to go host Jeopardy. <laughs> um, yeah, and then kind of, I guess, wrapping things up, the last point that I had, and I'll throw it over to you, is that the Cleveland Browns uh, signed Nick Chubb to a three-year, $36.6 million extension. Um, huge move for them, guys. Nick Chubb uh, has developed more and more uh, every year. Uh, I could see him kind of being in that converse, conversation for top three running backs uh, this year. I definitely say he's right at that cusp of like the top five right now. And this year, if he elevates it even more, um, yeah, he could be up there in the top three. Uh, I don't see him leading the league in rushing yards just because of uh, the offensive weapons they have and uh, Hooper and OBJ and Jarvis Landry, all those guys are going to get their catches, which is going to, take yards out of Chubb, um, Chubb's hands, but, um, yeah, sure, it's a good last longer. Yeah, that's, that's true. That's very true. Especially being a running back, you know, you have the shortest life shelf out of any of the positions in the NFL. So anything that you can take touches off yourself and still get paid. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Look yeah, at Andrew Peterson. Yeah, that's, that's Collecting true. Checks and maybe going in on third down for a third and one or third and two. You know, Frank Gore is fucking dinosaur. <laughs> yeah, but he still rushes for over a thousand. He's still a beast. Uh, I don't think he's rushed for over a thousand in a while. Frank Gore. I feel like it's been, if I had to guess, I'd say probably at least five years since he's had a thousand yard season. 2020. Yeah. 600. 653, 599, 
2016 was his last thousand yard season. Yeah, and then look at the touches. Went down almost a hundred. Yeah, that's true. That's crazy. He's got he had at one point four four one thousand yard seasons in a row, and then eight fifty three, and then another four thousand yard seasons. Yeah, dude, he's been a beast. How close has he got to be to Emmett Smith? I don't know. He's got to be. He's got to be within a couple thousand yards, you think? Because, yeah, he it says he is six thousand yards on the or sixteen thousand yards on the dot is yeah, where he's at right now. So he he's passed Barry. He just passed Barry Sanders this last season. If he gets seven twenty six this season, he'll pass Walter Payton. And he needs two thousand three hundred and fifty-five yards to catch Emmett. So for at his rate, like three more seasons, he's got to play. He's got to play at least getting like eight hundred yards. Yeah. He could do it, dude. He could do it. Yeah, I mean, the guy looks old as fuck, but he's looked old for a long time. <laughs> yeah, because the only ones on this list that even have a chance is him and Adrian Peterson. Yeah, Paul and LaShawn McCoy, but he doesn't carry the ball anymore. So no, I'm, he's kind of done. And neither does Peterson. Like you said, he comes in on third downs or if like I think the most or I'm trying to think when he was on the the Lions is probably the most time he saw on a team aside from uh, obviously his time when he was with Minnesota. Otherwise, he was with the Saints for a bit, uh, Washington football team for a bit. Um, where is he right now? Detroit Lions. Oh, he's still in Detroit. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Last season, he only had 604 yards on 156 carries. The year before that, 898. And the year before that, 1,000. So he's still definitely capable of hitting 1,000. Yeah. Well, 600 yards on 150 carries, that's still like somewhere four or five yards a carry. 3.9. 3.9. Average. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, which is phenomenal. Yeah, if you can get if you can get four yards out of a guy every time he touches the ball, like in his whole career, every single season, it's been three yards plus, except for one, and that was in 2016 where he only played three games. Oh yeah, didn't he have like a? He got suspended. Oh, he did for the kid thing. Oh yeah, that's right. The branch. Yep. Fuck, I forgot about that. Yep. And then that was his last calling in Minnesota. And that's when the suitcase tour began for him, where he had to pack his bags. Because so then he played for Arizona Saints, Washington, Washington, Detroit. <laughs> and then Arizona, New Orleans in one season. Like, that's got to suck. Yeah. Well, New Orleans didn't make a whole lot of sense to me because they had Murray and Kamara. So he's the third running back on that roster. So that yeah. must have been, that must have, that year must have been like, all right, nobody else wants me. The Saints. They're giving me a third round or a third string spot. Get Screw 81 it, I'll take yards. It. 81 yards also. <laughs> yeah. And then in Minnesota, his last year there was 70. He had 72 yards. And then two seasons before that when was when he did his hamstring or whatever. And he only had 75 yards. But other than that, dude, the dude's a fucking animal. Yeah. He's huge too. Like tall. It's but funny. he's going to be 36 years old, dude. That's old as F. Yeah. 
for a running back, especially, dude. Well, Frank Gore, what's he at? He's got to be close to that, too, isn't he? He's older than that, I think. He is 38. <laughs> yeah, he's two years older than Adrian Peterson. So, potentially, Adrian Peterson is technically on pace to pass Frank Gore if he can sustain what he's doing for two more years. He'll be ahead of where Frank Gore is at now. Yeah. So, Adrian Peterson has a shot, technically, I guess, to pass Emmett Smith. Oh, wait a sec. It says Frank Gore is a free agent, so he's not even on a team right now. Oh, Colts got bait. Yeah. What the heck? Well, uh, hold on. Well, what is – let me see for a sec. He was on the Jets last. He, he hasn't been on the Colts for four years. He was on the Colts, and then he went to Miami for a year, then up to Buffalo for a year, and then last year he was in New York. And then, yeah, according to – Yeah, so Adrian Peterson's got the chance then. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting. But still, eight, 18 – or 16,000 yards. He averaged – Frank Gore averages 4.3 yards a tenth for his, for his career. That's that's phenomenal. But how many how many has he ever had, like, seasons where he's played under four games? Um, games. No. The lowest he, – he's played – his lowest season was 2010. He played 11 games. Yeah, Adrian Peterson has two threes and a one. <laughs> well, wasn't Peterson close to 2,000 yards once or twice in his career? He, he hit 2,000. Oh, he did. Okay. Mm-hmm. 2,091, I think. is. 2,091? <laughs> 2,091 yards, I'm pretty sure. Oh, I thought, like, it's not like you saw the year 2,091. It was like the way I understood that. Um, <clears throat> one second here, right here. <laughs> 2097. <laughs> yep, that's the most. He had his second year in the league, he had seven one thousand seven hundred and sixty. Then in 2012, his MVP season, he had 2,097. Then in 15, he had 1,485. And yeah, dude, Adrian Peterson's had a rough go at it as far as having to miss three, literally three seasons worth of games almost. And just think of how many more yards he would have had. <laughs> For his career, how many games has he played? Frank Gore is at 241, 241 games played. And he is at 180. So he's played 60 less. So like so that's like five four, four or five less seasons <laughs> worth of games. But he's only two years younger. So yeah, two years younger, and he's only two thousand yards or like sixteen hundred yards behind Frank Gore. Hmm. With five less seasons played worth of games, which is insane. So yeah. you could arguably say that he would if, if he would have not gotten hurt and stayed out of trouble with the whole kid thing, he could he could have potentially been the greatest running back of all time as far as yards. Yeah. I mean he's still going because I mean if, oh he's still going. The yeah. Lions feed him the ball too. Yeah. 
Because they don't really have another. I mean, they brought in Jamal Williams from Green Bay, and then they He'll have, probably take some touches this season. They have DeAndre Swift, who's kind of a young, developing guy. So, I mean, he'll be the third down specialist. Yeah, you know, and with him too, sometimes, like even watching him last season, sometimes he still got plays where he's full of piss and vinegar, where he shows the old AP bursting it through the hole, taking mm-hmm. it to twenty yards, and it's like, man. If you just give the guy the ball until he gets tired, he could do it. <laughs> yeah. It makes you wonder, too, if he if he doesn't want that many reps so that he can keep going longer. If you could get three to 800 yards a season just by coming in, getting five touch, five at most 10 touches a game, 10 touches would probably be a lot. So probably closer to like five touches a game. But if he can pop off for 50 yards a game, I mean, five times – 17 18 that's that's a lot of yards yeah that'd be like almost 900 yards they'd be like 900 yards if he but that's if he's averaging 50 yards a game which i mean is definitely doable easily easily doable for him especially for him like you bring him in on a third and one at like your own 20 and he pops off for a 70 yard run boom there's his 50 yards in one carry yeah we could easily do that Yeah. Uh, all right. Um, do we want to do the segment now or? Or no, yeah. We can all jump right. into that. So let's do it. So it is Monday, everyone. We have the Erno segment here. Um, the one that I have today for Colin is a top five starting pitcher, Erno. CC Sabathia. Would you say he's a top five starting pitcher of all time or no? Yeah, just with just with how I feel like for how long he went in his career and how well he took care of himself. I mean, I don't know how many games he's played. Obviously, he's not in the league anymore, but yeah, there's probably three to five years that he was arguably the greatest starting pitcher in a row. So, yeah, I, I put him in the top five. Sounds good. Well, how Clayton. many... How many how many total pitchers are there that you have? I have a list of eight. Okay, so technically, there's like three that I that shouldn't be in the top five. Then, well, it's your opinion, so well, yeah, that's it's not true. really necessarily a top five or not, unless I pulled it up by like stats, but I'm not doing it that way. Sounds good. Um, Clayton Kershaw. No, not yet. He's still got – I feel like he's still got more time to go. Um, top 10, I would say, yeah, but top five, not yet. Sounds good. Pedro Martinez. Pedro Martinez. I'm trying to remember who that is. Started with the Mets. He had the fro. Oh, shit. Okay. With the Red Sox. <clears throat> He'd probably re- yeah, he'd probably be right at that like five five, six mark. So yeah, I'll say sure. He I'll put him in the top five at the number five spot. Okay. Roger Clemens. Roger Clemens. Got caught steroids. Played for the Yankees. Yeah. They got ditched him at the end of the Red Sox. Yeah. 
I'm going to say no, just with the, the drug issues. Cause I feel like I, no matter who, who like football, baseball doesn't matter if they've got caught with steroids of any type or cheating of any type, like if they're, if they were, if they like remove that, then yeah, you put them in there, but I've always been consistent as to where I'm kind of like, I keep people out of that top five for those reasons. So I'll say no with him. Okay. Sounds good. Big old Randy Johnson. Randy Johnson. Killed the bird with the fastball. Yeah. <laughs> um, I put Martinez at number five. So I'm kind of using him as like a, like a better than or less than I'm going to say, no, I'll put him right outside the top five as well. Okay. He would, he's probably number one on my list. Really? Yeah. You could throw like 108 miles an hour, just stray gas. And he pitched for so long, but that's just my opinion. Obviously. Yeah. I wonder wonder stats wise where I'm just looking stats wise where he actually ended up. He's gotta be. I'm just trying to fit like, yeah, because I if I had stats pulled up, it'd be easier, but I'm just kind of going off of like how like so according to stats, he's third all time. Okay. It's 1988 to 2009. His career stats, he was 303 and 166. He pitched 4,135 innings with a 3.29 ERA. His strikes per strikeouts per game. 10.61 was his average oh. strikeouts a game and strikeouts to walk. He'd strike out 4.25 batters before every walk. Okay. So I guess based off stats, then yeah, I guess I didn't realize, like, I know he's, I knew he's a great pitcher, but I guess I didn't realize he was that, that good. So, I mean, obviously it makes sense to have him in the top five. Then I guess from my, like my understanding, he was, like, I knew he had a long career, but I thought he was just kind of like, I didn't realize he was that consistent, I should say. Yeah, and he got a World Series, and he won a World Series. Yeah. Well, I guess I'll, I'll put him in the top five then. I'll put him at, like, the four spot. Sounds good. Justin Verlander. Justin Verlander? No. Just because he's... He's still got – he's kind of in that same ballpark as Clayton Kershaw. Like, he's on his way there, arguably top 10, but top five, he's still got a ways to go. Sounds good. And then the last one that I have for you here is Zach Granke. Ooh. Trying to think. Yeah. I'll move Randy Johnson up to three and then Martinez up to four. Granky's five. Okay. Sounds good. Actually, I do have one more here. I saw his name and I have to have to throw him in here. Max Scherzer. The big blockbuster. Yeah. He's got potential now that he's on a Dodgers team to where he's going to get that much more attention than he did in, in Washington. Um, top 10. Yes. Top five. Not yet. So him, Kershaw or Kershaw and Verlander all probably top 10, but they got, they got a ways to go. Obviously they have, they have their championships. They have this and that, but 
to be a top five starting pitcher of all time, you got to put in the 15, 20 years of consistency. And obviously they're all still younger in their careers than that. So um, yeah, I'll say top 10, but not top five. Sounds good. And that was the Erno segment for today. Sounds good. Um, yeah, then moving over here uh, to the NBA. Um, I guess coming right out, right out the uh, gate here, two guys declining their player option, Kawhi Leonard and Chris Paul, both declining their player options to return. Um, I can't remember what the numbers were. I want to say... Kawhi's was like 40. Kawhi's was 36 and Chris 36. Paul's 44. Okay, so that's what it was. Um, so, yeah, they both declined their player option to become an unrestricted free agent. Um, on Chris Paul's side, uh, he didn't decline it because he wanted to leave. He declined it because he wants to sign more of a long-term two- to three-year deal um, with the Suns. Um, but, I mean – given where he's at, if the right team comes along that is championship ready, I mean, which the Suns are, they just, they just went to a final. So obviously they're right there, but um, if another team comes knocking, I mean, I could see him leaving, but at the same time, both he and the Suns said that they want to reach a deal and keep him in Phoenix. So I don't see him moving there, but then on the other side, Kawhi, I could definitely see him leaving. Um, I mean, he only had a couple of years with the Clippers, so it's kind of a short, kind of a bite-sized um, sample of what he could have did there. But, I mean, it's I feel like there's too many superstars on that team to where, I mean, obviously it didn't help that he got hurt. Could have been a completely different story if he stayed healthy throughout the playoffs. They could have been the, the team coming out of the West in the NBA Finals. But... I don't think the result would have been any different uh, as as far as the Bucks going on their run and winning it all. But I don't know. I guess what do you kind of think on Kawhi's situation? Do you think he stays or do you think he's going to look elsewhere? For Kawhi, I think he's going to stay. Um, only reason I think that he's going to stay is that he convinced Paul George to leave his team and come there. And he's on a three-year deal. And that was the – obviously, he could have taken his last year with $36 million. But like you were um, like saying before, I'm pretty sure that he's going to re-sign. Pro- I'm going to look four to five year, probably, maybe even another max deal um, with the Clippers and end his career there. He was an L.A. kid. He's always wanted to be in L.A., one in Toronto, and now he's home. So I don't see him having any inclination of leaving unless it's at the trade deadline, joining a super team, but he doesn't seem like the type of guy that would do that. So I think that he's going to stay loyal to where, you know, he ended up and wanted to be, he chose to be there. He had the whole NBA to choose from where he wanted to go. He chose to be there. So I don't see him leaving anytime soon. Yeah. And I mean, at first glance, seeing these guys decline their player option, it looks like, Oh, he wants, he wants out. He wants out. It's like, no, they just want more money is basically what it comes down to. Or to restructure a deal. Yeah. To bring in somebody else that they need to make room for. Cause you know, the Suns, if they, you know, they're a little shy of picking up a couple of players and being dominant, you know, and same with the Lakers. If they get some shooting with Westbrook, LeBron and AD, they could be a dangerous team. Um, 
something interesting here for you. What would you do? I've heard a lot of people now speculating that now would be the time to get rid of Anthony Davis in LA to get him out of move a lot of money and you have him for four years. What are you guaranteed of his four years paying him? How much money is when he misses pretty much every single season? Yeah. I mean, he's just with the injuries that he's dealt with. Um, he's definitely going to decrease in value with every injury that happens that goes on to where you're the Lakers are either stuck with him until he decides to retire or they're not going to get the value out of, out of him that they want to, if they decide to move him down the road. So, I mean, now is the time to move him. There hasn't been any talks, any speculation whatsoever moving him. They're actually looking at bringing more people in um, and actually sticking with that a rumor circulating within the Lakers organiza- organization is that they're interested in bringing in Carmelo Anthony from Portland, which would help again, how we were talking the other day with um, the three point uh, outside the three point line being a problem for that team as nobody on that starting roster, aside from LeBron, who's kind of de- somewhat developed into a three point shooter later in his career. Um, you bring in Carmelo Anthony, who's kind of a corner specialist like PJ Tucker um, to, which would kind of, again, bring that versatility to that team of being a three-point shooting team. But at the same time, there's been a lot of people kind of saying, oh, if you bring in Kamala Anthony, like kiss, kiss goodbye to Le- keeping LeBron in the conversation with MJ because he has to bring in that much star power to, to be able to win to where – See, I don't even give – I used to give that a big knock on LeBron, <clears throat> but now looking at how the NBA is, that's just how the NBA is now. It, it it was just different times back then, and now we're in a time where if it seems like every NBA player are best friends with each other and everybody wants to play with their friends that they grew up playing AAU with or knew down the road. Like, it seems like everybody wants to play with their friends, and it's awesome that the NBA, like, encourages that and is so willing to, like, let all these <laughs> trades go through and stuff like that. So I used to give it a knock on LeBron, but I'm, I'm really not anymore. Like, KD joining the Golden State Warriors, name one player who would have turned that opportunity down to easily win a championship. Yeah. So, you know, so you can't knock the guy for joining a super team to win. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, but on the flip side, though. The game. I agree that there, there's super teams forming within the NBA, but at the same time, look at the Bucks. They 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 just basically stepped on the whole NBA's NBA world's throat and said, "You don't need a super team to win a championship." No, if you build the right group of guys, it's been eight years. If you build, you know, yeah, stick with the core group of guys, the young guys that you bring up, and you have the right coach, the right whatever, you can win. So that's like Toronto; they were nowhere near filled with superstars when they won. Yeah, you know, like that was the same same thing as the Bucks. They played tremendous defense, and they had the two three guys to go to when it got tight. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's kind of the I guess the two ways the NBA is going. Then is either you build a super team to win now, or you stick it out with a group of guys for five you to ten years. For a couple, you stink for a couple years, and then you go for it. You know. Mm-hmm. But that's also. I personally think that that's probably the best strategy to go with is the young players. You get them for cheaper and you add the pieces as you go, you know, like what we did with adding the Tucker, adding Drew holiday, adding, you know, it was adding the little bits of pieces that the team needed and you got a, you know, a championship. Yeah. 
Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, we'll kind of see what happens with the Lakers if they do decide to go after Anthony or bring in a different piece, but they definitely do need to bring in somebody who is a three-point shooter on that team. Just with the way the NBA is going, um, the Lakers would probably be in the top or the bottom five teams of three-point attempts and percentage unless they add somebody to that roster. Yeah, and then another big per- question mark that's up in the air here is between two players, actually, is Kyle Lowry. Where is he going to land? I know it's indicating that he's going to end up in Miami. Um, and then Ben Simmons. What's going to happen with him? I've seen one ridiculous trade come out where they asked for four number one picks and two players who are pretty good for Ben Simmons. And yeah, I – I saw, I saw, I don't know if it's the same one you're thinking of, but the, uh, with the Warriors, they wanted James Wiseman. That's what it was. Um, Andrew Wiggins. And Andrew Wiggins. Yeah. In, in exchange for Ben Simmons. And, <laughs> and, and then there was like sources, sources that came out and said that was the, the quickest decline in war, like the Warriors have ever seen from a trade coming in. And I don't blame them. Um, I don't know. Phil, Philly's just Philly's trying to con- stuck with him, dude. They're, they're trying to convince the world that he's good by asking a lot for him and just trying to get lucky. Where a, a team says, "Oh yeah, we'll take him," but this ain't this ain't fucking NBA 2K to where you can get the computer to accept the trade and ooh, I got him. <laughs> like these these guys are get are paid millions of dollars to run these organizations, and there's there's no way that they're giving giving him away for that much, but. Yeah, I think they're stuck with them. At the lowest it's ever been. Yeah, it's yeah. If they last season, like even last season, that would have been a ridiculous trade. Like what they asked for, like the Warriors, and he was better then. But I don't know. Either they're stuck with him, or some team that's in a desperate rebuild is going to take him and you know try to rejuvenate his career. I could see before the trade deadline, somebody goes out with a leg injury or knee injury or some kind of injury that puts him out for the rest of the season or most of the season. And they go out and get Ben Simmons to bring him in and try to help the team until then. I think the 76ers are stuck with him. Yeah. You know, like, or I said, you ship him. He takes a trade and goes to like the Minnesota Timberwolves or a team that's at the bottom of the league and in a team that's really young and you try to, rejuvenate his career with some young guys around him and see maybe if he can turn it around. But all indications right now are pointing to that 76ers are kind of screwed. Yeah. They, they held on to him too long. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then uh, the last point I had for the NBA then is uh, Giannis uh, takes his trip to Greece with the Larry O'Brien trophy as he visits his hometown and neighborhood um and celebrates his championship with his home nation so that was really cool to see he was there yesterday um i think he's back in the u.s already so he was just there for like a day or something but um again great to see him go back to his, his home country and uh Giannis was saying that he hopes to be able to take another trip again in the future with another trophy yeah, I definitely could see that that easily happening, especially if the Bucks can keep that core group together. Um, you know, until someone wants to call it quits or wants to leave and go somewhere else, I feel like the Bucks have their name. You know, they deserve to put their name in the conversation for winning a championship. So that's really all I have to touch on that. And my last point is Kevin Durant, um, past Carmelo Anthony, became the top scorer for the Olympic team 
um, and the fastest to do it. I saw a lot of players giving him the nod and saying what a tremendous scorer he is. And then I was just thinking, like, he probably is the greatest scorer of all time. But then had me – I saw this Kobe Bryant stat, and it was Kobe Bryant has more 50-point games than LeBron, Jordan, and KD combined. He has more 60-point games than LeBron and, and Jordan combined, and he has more 80-point games than all three of those guys combined. And it was just like, so who's the best scorer? I was like – Damn, that's a great argument, actually, for, you know, he did it for so many fucking years. Mm-hmm. And where KD's still young yet, you know, he's still got, I don't know, to play till he's 40, I feel like, to have his name pass Kobe. Yeah. Well, that's the thing, too, with Col- with Kobe having those bigger games. It was the rest of the team buying in, saying, all right, he's on the night, just keep dishing him the rock. Like, just let, like... And even in, in his very last game, I think he had 60 points. 61. 61, his very last game. And that was everybody on the Lakers team accepting the fact, all right, this is Kobe's last game. Just keep giving him the rock, let him shoot. Um, I, I've Like the NBA is very different now than from that because, because of the fact that it's a lot – it's easier to shut down a guy who's getting hot to where if a guy is getting like higher up like that to where you – switch from zone to man or switch matchups, whatever it could be. Teams will find a way until they can slow that guy down to where back then it was kind of, I mean, it was cool back then to where like the opposing team would just accept the fact that, yeah, this guy's putting up 80 on us, but at the same time, you don't never see this. So like it's going to happen to where now, like I said, teams try to shut that down a lot more to where it's going to be harder for KD to, I don't, I don't think he'd ever hit 60. I feel like he'll have a couple more 50 point games, but I don't see him ever hitting 60, 70 or 80 in his career. I don't know with the development of shooting and how far back these people are shooting. You didn't see that in Kobe's time. Yeah. And also the physicalness on defense used to be able to get fucking grabbed and thrown down. And now the person would be ejected. Like the game where he played with his torn Achilles like he, there's so many fucking times where he's been banged up and hurt mm. and still put up 50, 60, 70 points. Like yeah. unbelievable, like for how he could get it done. And then as far as like the team buying into giving him the ball, that just was Kobe's nature. Um, I remember the one part that sticks out from the last dance documentary was the Kobe's first all-star game when Jordan was covering. And in the locker room, he said, this fucking guy, whether he's double team, single team, triple team, he's fucking shooting the ball. Like, it doesn't matter. He's getting the ball and he's shooting. And that was Kobe Bryant. You know, he wanted to score every fucking time he touched the ball. And you don't see that in a lot of players. And Kevin Durant has that same mentality where he's looking score first, pass second. Mm-hmm. Well, look at the team Durant's on now, too, with Kyrie and Harden and Blake Griffin. All those guys want to score, too. So that's taking the ball out of his hands that much more. I feel like Kyrie's accepted the fact playing with Kevin Durant that he's that he's the guy, you know, when it's crunch time. Even even James Harden, I feel like knows that he's at the last legs of his career. And it's, you know, the team goes like how the Bucks kind of are, you know, as Middleton. You know, Giannis is so consistent. You know, he does the same thing every night where it's kind of Middleton as the team goes or Holiday. We need that second guy to make it go where 
Durant is that, you know, he's that guy that needs, needs to make the team go. If he's going, the team's going where mm-hmm. he's not, he's kind of that one guy that the team's got to rely on because, you know, Kyrie's had 40 point games, you know, he's a very good player as well. But like you said, with the height and whatever defenses are getting better at shutting down the, the middle, like it's harder to get to the lane and get a layup now than it was back in the day, just due to people are way taller now and are so much more athletic that it's so much more difficult. And that's why you saw the evolution of the three point shot to where the small guys were five foot seven, five, eight, five, nine, pull up from half court and drop it from three, you know, because they, you ain't getting to the hoop. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Everybody's as good as an athlete, you know, once you get to that professional level that you just got to accept what you got sometimes. Exactly. Well, cool. Then wrapping things up in the NBA, then moving over to the MLB here. Um, Chris Bryant hits a home run in his Giants debut uh, yesterday as Sam Fran beats Houston uh, five to three and they win their weekend series. Uh, the crew as well take care of business yesterday behind a Willie Adams home run and a 2-1 win to win the series against the Braves. Uh, a couple injuries here. San Diego Padres could be in a tough spot as young star Fernando Tatis Jr. suffers a shoulder injury, which could be season-ending. The team will uh, monitor him for the next eight days to see if his status improves, to which at that point, they might have to scratch him for the rest of the season. And this was the third time that Tatis Jr. dislocated his shoulder. So um, they're really cautious moving forward with him. Obviously, if he doesn't make progress, like I said, in the next week or so, they're going to have to look to, for another option. And I don't even know when the trade deadline's up, if they can even pick up anybody else and, anymore. I don't, I don't know when it, when it is, but... It was, it's over. It was August. It was... Um... I think it was 11 o'clock this morning or yesterday. Oh, okay. It, it's over now. <clears throat> but I mean, the rest of the pot, the Padres got a lot, a lot of other great players on the team. Obviously Tatis Jr. is the core of that team. And as he goes, the rest of the team goes, and they're in a really tough division with the Giants and the Dodgers who just both picked up some players to elevate their team. So the Padres could slip here if Tatis Jr. is going to be out the rest of the season. And then uh, the other injury, uh, Mets ace Jacob deGrom will be out until at least September with a right forearm inflammation. Um, kind of sucks to see his season going the way it is. He's dealt with, now it's, uh, he's on his, I think, third or fourth injury that's put him out for some time. Um, and he's on pace to have one of the greatest uh, starting pitcher seasons of all time, having a sub one ERA. So sucks to see him uh, missing some more time there for looks like at least another month. And then lastly here in Olympics baseball, the U.S. falls to Japan as they come one game short of the semifinals. Um, They aren't done yet. They do move to the loser's bracket in which they will play the winner of the Dominican Republic-Israel game. And then if victorious there, they will play the loser of the Japan-South Korea game to move on to the gold medal game. So um, the U.S. still has a chance to get a medal here, but uh, they're going to have to win uh at least one more game and then move on to play potentially japan who just beat them again so we'll see how that goes yeah and then i had a couple things too talking about chris bryant homering in his new home anthony rizzo and javier Baez also homered in their first games with their new team so it seemed like 
they got some magic, you know, um, excited to be in a new home, you know, embraced by a new team, especially a team that's on the winning side of things. And they bring their offensive dominance, which is why the teams reached out to get them. Um, Javier Baez, you know, he's the one out of the three that has tremendous defense in his game. Um, but yeah, all three of those guys, it's awesome to see that they've moved on, you know, left their old part of themselves in Chicago with the championship and they're looking to chase down another one now. So thought that that was awesome to see that all three of those guys ended up hitting monster home runs dude. They're like just crushed home runs. Like it was awesome to see that. So that, and then the last thing, some news with the crew here, the Milwaukee Brewers are reuniting with John Axford via a $1 trade with the Toronto Blue Jays. $1? They don't want him on his roster anymore. So the Brewers picked him up, and he he's going to retire a Milwaukee Brewer. His comeback, this is his comeback tour that he's trying to, you know, he's trying to show that he can still pitch. And the Brewers acquired him um, for $1 on Monday. He hasn't pitched in the MLB since 2018, and that's kind of when he got hurt and kind of, like, let go. Um this season in AAA, he's 1 and 0 with a 0.08.84, excuse me, ERA and nine relief appearances for the AAA club. So still seems like he's got some gas left in the tank. Brewers always, you know, you always can use a reliever, especially those teams that are sitting at the top of their division. Comes down to pitching when it gets to postseason time if you really want to make it. So having an experienced reliever who's been, you know, he's been in the Brewers organization and he was loved here when he was here. So I think that's awesome that he's, you know, getting to getting a comeback here. Yeah. It's awesome to see him come back. Um, yeah. Like you said, every bold thing can always use a, an extra couple of guys. So that's definitely not going to hurt anything. Yeah. And it looks like he still has a team record. 46 saves in one season for the Brewers in 2011 when we went on our run and almost made it to the world series. <laughs> Cause I think that was the year that we got the closest. It was either that or 08. I think both of those years we ended up making the NLCS and then losing. Yeah, I think so. But yeah. Or two years ago fucking what's his name in the goddamn outfield that fucking botched the ball and we oh lost. Trent Grisham yeah dude that was a world series appearance right there yeah well yeah because then the nationals went on to win it win. they yeah. were the lowest seed they were the wild card and they ended up winning yep unbelievable <laughs> that sounds good uh moving over to hockey then what's going on over there so uh, what is going on in the NHL world? Nothing, you know, nothing really major here over the weekend. Um, I guess there's three, I guess, big things here kind of coming out with this thing. Um, NHL is investigating San Jose Sharks forward Evander Kane on betting on his own games. Um, <laughs> they're looking into... So it's kind of it's kind of fucked up. His wife was allegedly was betting on his NHL games. So she was making a profit off of that, which is illegal. You can't have you can't have insider information when you're betting. 
And so they're looking into whether or not he was throwing games or doing shit on purpose to help her win some money or whatever the case may be. But yeah, those are all just allegations right now. Nothing has been proven, um, but the NHL is obviously has to do their job and investigate the situation there. Um, Alex Ovechkin just launched an NFT on July 30th. Um, That's looked pretty sweet. I know it's probably going to sell majorly back home in Russia. Um, It's pretty sweet to see that. And then the question marks on whether the Chicago Blackhawks got fleeced in the trade for Marc-Andre Fleury. He sent out a FaceTime video as he was getting on his private jet heading into Chicago. Says, hello, Chicago. I am here, and I'm going to give it all I got. (laughs) (laughs) Um, It looks like he was just waiting to talk to management to see. He wasn't going to go there if they had any intentions of trading him during the season. He He wants to end up in Pittsburgh. He wants to retire in Pittsburgh. So look for one solid year here with the Hawks. Um, With that team that they built, they definitely could be a Stanley Cup contending team. And yeah, look after the season for him to, whether or not he sticks it out for one more season, but look for him to end his career in Pittsburgh because that's what he wants. Um, And as a hockey fan, that's what I want as well. Um, He was beloved in that city. He kind of May that Pittsburgh dynasty continue from what it was when Mario Lemieux and Sidney Crosby came in there and the Malkins. He was that guy who's been a huge cornerstone of that team, getting them to their Stanley Cups. And it was unfortunate for Pittsburgh to make the wrong choice and sticking with Matt Murray instead of Marc-Andre Fleury, like I said before, as he's just had his best season as he's ever had. So um, I think that's cool for, you know, the Blackhawks and the deal that went through and neither teams got screwed. Each team still has a number one goalie and everything's going to move on from there. And then the last thing that I have here um, is still ongoing news with Jack Eichel, the captain of the Buffalo Sabres still with his whole thing. um, He demanded basically a trade and wants to get out of Buffalo. Buffalo is not willing to release him as he's their captain. And he's on a, I think he's still on a six year deal. Um, (laughs) <laughs> the agents wrote that they the agent literally thought that the team was going to deal him before the start of the NHL free agency period which opens on last Wednesday um, the Sabres are not responding to anything publicly um, they've been asked so many different questions and they're saying nothing so kind of like Aaron Rodgers in the situation with the team he came out and issued a statement saying Basically how he wanted to get a surgery. Buffalo Sabres told him, no, you should not get the surgery. There's a different method to deal with your whatever. Looks like whatever he was doing, he had a herniated disc. Um, The staff recommended not getting an artificial disc put in with the surgery and just healing it right away. They recommended or recommended just doing physical therapy and trying to, you know, heal on its own. It nagged him all season long and it's been getting worse and worse. Um, He released a statement on Friday night, blatantly just saying the process of trying to mend this is not working. Um, Just whatever is going on behind closed doors, obviously that's not public um, with them trying to dictate his medical, you know, I feel like the player, unfortunately, when you sign the contract, you're a property of that team. So they literally have the dictation of, what's going to, what you can do and what you can't do when it comes down to that type of stuff. But I feel like hopefully with this situation, 
maybe things change going forward where if a player, you know, wants to do a certain thing, they should be fully allowed to do whatever they want to, to their own body Mm -hmm. and not be controlled by some outside entity of being able to be dictated of what you can and can't do as far as healing yourself. It's just really interesting. Uh, This whole thing has kind of gotten way out of hand and it's, who knows when this thing's going to, when this rift, I guess is going to end because if he gets moved, um, he's, that's a superstar talent. That's a top three, top six forward. Definitely. Um, that could definitely make a big impact on any team that he's on. He's one of the most explosive skaters in hockey. So, um, hopefully he gets back, you know, back on to, back to where he was before any of this injury. Cause back problems i fucking slid a disc and broke my l6 i didn't have a herniated disc so i don't know what that feels like but just the process of that still nags me every single day and so who knows obviously he's in way better shape and has you know the top medical professionals around him you know around the clock but still um anything with your back or neck and kind of deals with you know you kind of that kind of lingers with you the rest of your life hips too yeah. Well, cool, cool then. Um, I guess kind of running out the episode as we have been the past uh, couple weeks here is some Olympics talk. Um, one thing I, I got one thing before we get into the Olympics to, to close it out here. Sounds good. The number two prospect in 2022 um, in the, you know, the top 300 ESPN 300 for college football prospects Quarterback Quinn Ewers is skipping his senior season of high school football to join the Ohio State Buckeyes. So it's going to be very interesting to see um, what happens here. Um, How do they do that? Because you can graduate early. Oh, I was going to say you can technically graduate. I, I, one of my next door neighbors actually growing up as a kid, he graduated from high school and he was 16 years old. He was all done. So you could technically go to college when you're 16 years old, you know, as a freshman and you have four years of eligibility. So it doesn't, there's no limitations on how, what your age is when you enter that. So if you meet all the credentials and obviously get accepted to the school, He's probably got a full ride, obviously, being the number two prospect for and especially being a quarterback. So, yeah, looks like they're bringing him in and getting him ready to go. And which is kind of funny because they just lost um, one of their prospects who was in the top 15, who was a linebacker. He just decommitted from Ohio State. So Mm. decommit and then you get the number two guy in the following year. So it's I'd say that's an upgrade. Yeah, I would say so. The guy must be a genius if he can graduate a year early too. <laughs> yeah, and then uh, one one quick thing here, um, a fuck up that we haven't we haven't mentioned one of those in a while here. Uh, we got a college kid here, cornerback for the Clemson Tigers, Fred Davis the second, was charged after driving 115 miles per hour in a 15 in a 55 mile per hour zone, <laughs> and a crash that ended up injuring a postal worker. Uh, he ended up running into the mailman and causing injury uh, to this person. So who knows what's going to happen to him? Obviously, what an idiot for driving 65 miles per hour over the speed limit. (laughs) But uh, you live and you learn. You're a young kid. So hopefully everybody's okay, you know, and hopefully everything works out. And I don't know, hopefully gets his shit together. 
that's that's crazy 65 over the speed limit i can't even yeah, imagine 115 and a 55 dude like that's a no-no <laughs> well all these kids now you know with how they can get money and paid for shit they've got sponsors these kids are probably driving lambos corvette you know yeah pedal to the metal like if i was 16 years old and had 10 you know a million dollars thrown at me what would you do obviously you're gonna go buy a fucking badass sports car yeah <laughs> you're in prime time in high school you know in college you want to show off that's what you show off with or you or they'll buy a fucking huge watch or necklaces or something yeah shit. but yeah i just thought that was funny i had to mention that real quick yeah um but yeah moving over to some olympics talk here uh breaking coming out of the olympic world this morning Simone Biles announces that she is going to return uh, for tomorrow's balance beam. Uh, for those who've been kind of following her story, she withdrew from a handful of events uh, earlier um, due to some mental health uh, things that she was going through. So great to see her coming back um, for one of her best events that she's at. Um, let's see here. Uh, the women's soccer team lost to Canada one to zero in the semifinals. So that I watched it. I stayed up and watched. Oh, it. you did? Yeah, I stayed up and watched it. It was zero to zero, dude, for the longest time. And USA was had the pressure on all game long. Like I forgot what the end of the final was, but like we I want to say we had like 15 corner kicks like on their end, and we just couldn't put the ball in. And then when it got down to it was like 78th minutes something like that with like little time left in the game. I think there was only like 12, 13 minutes left in the game and the Canada chick bopped it over the defenseman chick from Canada's cruising, dude, the fastest I've ever seen somebody like want a ball beats the U S chick and the U S chick like grabbed her by the arm and kind of like pulled her down in the box. So it's a penalty kick. So they lined up da, 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 boom. She kicked it. The goalie actually saved it but the speed of it was too much where her fingers bent back and it like wasn't enough to keep it out of the net so it was a great play overall you know great kick a great attempt for a save she got you know she got her hands on it just wasn't enough kick must have been too powerful to keep that out and then yeah after that moment you could see the u.s all the announcers too were kind of like oh my god like this is literally the u.s hasn't lost to canada in 26 years, whether no matter what competition for women's. And um, they're saying, I can't believe this is going to happen. I can't believe this is going to happen. And you could tell the pressure went from no pressure to sky's the limit pressure on these athletes. Some of their passes and kicks that they were trying to do, they were bombing the ball way over the net into the stands. It's like they were trying to do too much. They put the, let the pressure get to them and they crumbled and it was, unfortunate to see the u.s you know come up short of making it to the gold medal game they will however you know play for the bronze um yeah just heartbreaking to see that going for the gold you know coming up short after arguably they said that this was one of the best teams that they've ever put together as far as like talent wise and shows talent doesn't beat hard work yeah and then uh Let's see here. Moving over to track and field then that got underway this weekend. Um, some stars who qualified for finals, Gabby Thomas, Sydney uh, McLaughlin, or yeah, McLaughlin and uh, 
Talia Muhammad uh, all qualified for finals. And Valerie Elman uh, wins uh, the gold for women's discus. So great to see that. Um, and then women's basketball, uh, they were challenged by France, but they extend their Olympic winning streak to 52. Um, and then as mentioned before, uh, U.S. baseball team loses seven to six to, to Japan, uh, but they still have a chance to come back for gold uh, going through the losers bracket. Yeah, that game was an extra innings. Japan rallied in the 10th. Oh, that's right. W- weren't they up five, like five runs five at one two. point? It was five to two. They're up by three. It was five to two and they came back and beat them. So <laughs> Jeez. it's kind of awesome, you know, for the home country rallying at home in their own country in the Olympics. I think that's awesome. Yeah. That's all I have. Just kind of going off of um, going off of a highlights post here, just mentioning some stuff. Um, if you had a couple other points to throw out there. Yeah, um, a big volleyball match tonight as we are in the final eight. The quarterfinals for women's beach volleyball. Our top team of Ali Ro- or Alex Ross and um, Alex Klein. Is it Ali Ross? April Ross. April Ross and Alex Kleinman, uh, the top and the only remaining team on the U.S. side for men's or women's volleyball. Uh, they won yesterday. In a pretty good match, um, seemed like they kind of had it going. I know Canada has been a huge, um, the Wilkerson Bansley team, uh, they don't play until tomorrow at 7 a.m., um, but that team is unbelievable. Look for the United States. They We play the German team tonight. Um, at 7 p.m., so that'll be obviously on the NBC primetime channel. Uh, here for in the u.s um and yeah i'm excited to watch that and see see how that goes as you know they came up short with the bronze last time arguably the two best and now they took april ross and they went and found the young you know the young stud and alex kleinman and seeing what we can do here i hope you know hopefully they can get a gold medal out of it that would be Phenomenal to see Americans on the podium uh, for that. And then, yeah, that's kind of, you know, that's kind of it. There's just a lot of, you know, track and field, like we, like we mentioned, Um, that's going on today. There is a handful of final events. Um, Women's long jump is at 8.50 PM tonight. The men's 400 meter hurdles. uh, The final for that is at 1020 PM. And then if you stay up um, a little bit later, you can watch some other finals that those wrap up at 750 AM tomorrow morning. You have the men's pole vaulting, women's hammer throw, women's 800 meter and the women's 200 meter. Um, All those are the medal races. So those are chance, you know, for teams to get some medals as the medal count is kind of separated a little bit here. China's taken a seven medal lead here, right? Yeah. yeah they have 29, lead, 29 to 22. Um, and they have closed the gap as well as we had like a 20 medal lead in total medals. That lead is shrunk to two now. Um, China's got 62 and we have 64 total. So yeah, uh, we better get it in gear here. If we want to contend with China, I, as they're always pretty good. You know, they got athletes in track and field as well that can run the show. Table tennis is finishing up here. So, you know, China and Japan are going to get some medals there. Um, yeah, very, very cool to see. 
And then the one thing that I did have to mention as well is uh, Pat McAfee this morning had her on his show. Um, it was the first ever women's judo winner at like the 56 kilogram weight. Um, first ever in the history of the United States. So thought that that was awesome. He had her on the show. I forgot what her name is. It's pretty funky. Alejandra something. And uh, yeah, just want quick shout out on that. Getting, getting a gold and USA keep going. Sounds good. So, six more days, seven technically here because we're behind them. Um, but yeah, seven more days to watch the Olympics it's going to be very, very interesting to see <laughs> to see how that happens. It wraps up. Yeah, and we'll be back Wednesday then. Um, obviously, for whatever the sports world has to throw at us. Sounds good. You want to take her home today? Do I have to? No, I was just seeing if you wanted to. Sure, I'll give it a go. <laughs> So thanks everybody for stopping into today's episode. Oh, just giving a shout out to um, our channel has kind of blown up over the weekend. So a big thank you to everybody who is stuck around, um, helping with the watch time, watching our episodes all the way through. Um, kind of great to see all the time and effort we put into this show uh, starting to pay off. All thanks to you guys. Um, so yeah, be sure to check out all of our socials. Again, make sure to hit that subscribe button uh, in the corner of this video. Uh, helps us get partnered on YouTube. And then head over to our Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, um, as well to check out our socials there. And for our audio episodes, check out Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, anywhere associated with Anchor, you can find us there. Be sure to give us a five-star rating, helps us move up the charts. That's greatly appreciated. And yeah, we'll be back on Wednesday to talk some more sports with you guys. Sounds good. We'll see you guys on Wednesday. Have a good one, everyone.